Thank you, ladies. I appreciate that. Would you Bible to Joshua, please? The sixth Joshua chapter three, and we'll look there in a moment. Happy New Year! Today's the first day of 2023. It's hard. I want to bring a message suitable for all of us. Will be. Uh, always honor the Lord Jesus and that great inventions decades with satellites common man that is the GPS system when they roads and interstates and they put it in those little pods and uh, they sold it. It was a little bit expensive at first, wasn't it? And you could put a car. Boss had one, and then he had two. They would tear up pretty easy. Um, Garments and tom-toms. Cheaper. And when we had missionaries that would come in, ask them that were traveling, uh, if they didn't, I'd go buy them one. Early on, uh, deal to to get maps out and to map those things out and get your yellow markers and show. It was very difficult sometimes to to find the right homes. I told Paula a while back. I don't want to offend anybody but that uh, maybe I'm going to take a stab at it, that, that people under 25 maybe uh, not be familiar with maps and not really know how to use maps because of uh, GPS. And thankfully, they don't, I don't even know if they sell those garments and tom-toms anymore. And a real blessing when they adapted that technology and then they put it into our phones so that you can use it. And I suppose that uh, all of us, Excellently challenged. That's a politically correct statement for me. Uh, use if you've ever used it, and I know that you have, and you know this, that the GPS is not 100% consistent. Uh, years ago, this has been a long time ago when the, the thing was first out, we were on vacation with some of our kids, not all of our kids, down in Florida. And we found a restaurant. We went to a fancy restaurant. It was a little sub place we wanted to go to. We put the address in there. And they pulled us off the interstate and the little side road. And then we went into a neighborhood, a residential area. And I remember Paula said, this doesn't look right. I said, oh, it'll be all right. I said, they're just taking us through a shortcut. You see where this story is headed, don't you? And I said, it'll get us there. And I was thinking, well, they're going to come out on the other side of a thoroughfare or something. We went deeper and deeper into the neighborhood and finally came to the right address in the dead end of a cul-de-sac right at a house. There was no restaurant there. And I don't think there ever was a restaurant there. Maybe they sold subs and we didn't know it. Maybe we should have gone up and knocked on the door and placed our order. But maybe... 2022 uh, has been like that for you. Maybe you got lost a little bit. 
Maybe you were uh, being obedient to God, and it was uh, a difficult year. It was a season of loss, a season of adversity, reversal, disappointment. And the choices are not to become cynical. It's not to become negative. It's not to become fearful. That's not good for you, and it's not good for other people around you. So what kind of year was 2022? I know you've thought about it. For most people, I think for all of us, it was a mixed bag. There was good and there was bad. By the way, there's always good. There's always good because God, if you're a Christian, there's always good because God is always good. But let's be honest. There are some times, there are seasons, there are some years and sometimes several years where the adversity seems to be poured on a little bit more. So we don't know what uh, 2023 holds, and and that's kind of a blessing. Uh, A friend of mine, Price Harris, uh, sent me a text two weeks ago uh, about something that had happened. He said, isn't it a blessing that God doesn't let us see the future? I I first heard that, I think, in 1977. I was hearing Jerry Falwell preach from Isaiah chapter 30, and he, he made that statement. I'd never thought about that before. He said, isn't it a blessing that God doesn't let you see the future? Because we're always wanting to see the future. And then I think, you know, after years, do you really? Do you really? Well, I don't know what 2023 holds, but I do know this, that I'm going to need God's help. I'm going to need His strength, and I'm also going to need His direction. And I don't need a a faulty GPS address. I don't want to get lost. Because sometimes even in in God's direction, we come through hardships. And there's a story here in Joshua 3 about Israel and Joshua, who was the leader. He was a general, but he was God's appointed successor to Moses. And someone said there is no success without a successor. And God had the successor for Moses, and that was Joshua. And here in this story, in fact, all the Old Testament are pictures for your life, and this story, particularly, picture for your life. God can do and what He wants to do. And this will be an encouragement to you. I'm not going to give you all of the message today because of the importance of what I want to talk to you about today. Uh, and I want to encourage you, Brother Daniel, talk to you about reading your Bible. Uh, this year, don't just read the New Testament. Uh, read the Old Testament. The Bible says in Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, it says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime, and when Paul wrote this, he's talking about the Old Testament, were written for our learning. And he's not talking about um, learning academic things, about how Israel did things. But here's what he, we're going to learn, that we through patience that we'll learn to be patient, like Abraham had to be patient and others. Comfort of the Scriptures. You get comfort in the Old Testament. And then he says, might have hope. Listen, men and women, you forfeit hope when you don't spend time reading the Word of God, even the Old Testament. So God called Joshua to to lead the people, uh, to lead them into Canaan. Now, if you hear some of the the songs today, they picture Canaan as heaven and the Jordan River as death. I remember when my my grandfather passed away in 19, 
71 in September. And the singers, uh, two singers sang, and they sang a song called, I Won't Have to Cross Jordan Alone. Some of you know that song. And it's always been special to me. And I, I really like that song. The words are very good. I won't have to cross Jordan alone. Jordan is pictured as death, as physical death, and then Canaan is pictured as heaven. Well, it's a good song, but the typology is not correct. By the way, Jordan is pictured as death, but it's death to self. And Canaan is not heaven. Canaan is a victorious life. And so that's why you go in there and and you're to... They are at the precipice of going into Canaan. They're not there. And there's one major obstacle between them and Canaan. That is the promise. You know what it is? It's the Jordan River. They've got to cross the Jordan River. Forty years earlier... God would have taken them in there in a heartbeat. They sent in some people to spy out the land, and uh, 12 spies, and 10 of them came back with a negative report. Oh, we can't do that. But two came back and said, oh, we're able. In fact, that's the, the words they use. We're able to do this. We have a great God. And the, it was Joshua and Caleb. They were the only people that were over 40 that lived During that time, they were in the wilderness. By the way, the wilderness is a picture of the carnal life. And so Egypt is a picture of the world. And then um, Canaan is a picture of the victorious life. You have to die to self to get in there. And so um, everybody that was over 40 died in the wilderness except for Joshua and Caleb. They're great studies in the book of Joshua. So there's practical lessons for us today as we look at this. So let's read the first six verses here in Joshua chapter 3. I want to talk to you today about preparation for an unknown tomorrow. Preparation for an unknown tomorrow. Joshua chapter 3. And Joshua rose early in the morning. Note that. Joshua rose early in the morning. And they removed from Shedem and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. That is over the river. It came to pass after three days, because it took them one day to travel. They were about ten miles away before they got to the edge. Then they rested a day. And then the third day, they were ready to go. And the officers went through the host. That is all the people. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. But there shall be a space or a distance between you and it, that is the Ark of the Covenant, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that is the Ark. They may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Joshua spake unto the priest, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people, that is, pass over Jordan. And they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. Now, if you know the story, you know that God parted the Jordan River like he, for, for Joshua like he did for Moses, the Red Sea. We'll talk about that, uh, God willing, next week. But there's two, two, two things I want you to see here. Notice in verse 4, He says, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. That ye may know the way by which ye must go. For ye have not passed this way heretofore. 
Uh, we're, we're going into some times that, that we don't know what to do. We don't know what it holds for us. But we need to know the way that we're going. We need some confidence. We need some assurance. We need some encouragement. And notice what God says. Notice in verse 5, for tomorrow. And by the way, these words apply to you. They were for Israel, but according to Romans 15, 4, they're given for your patience, for your comfort, and for your hope. And here he says in verse 5, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. God wants to do wonders for you. The, the word wonders there means great. It means difficult. It means hard. It has this idea. It prompts awe, A-W-E, and wonder in your heart. So how did God do that? It has the idea of something that can't be comprehended. It's something that's, it, that, that is distinguished in your mind. Tomorrow the Lord will do wonderful things that inspires wonder. Something that's difficult, something that is hard. And so on the third day they got to the River Jordan and they just kind of waited there, wondering what Joshua was doing, what they were waiting on. And if you go down and read in verse 15 of the same chapter, you'll find that, that Jordan was at flood stage. It was harvest time. They couldn't swim across the river. They couldn't ferry across the river. I went to Israel in 1998, and I was expecting to see you know, the Jordan River. Some of you have been to Israel. Jordan River. I showed Paula a picture of it uh, yesterday. I said, I want you to see this because I was shocked when I saw it. Uh, from here to the back wall, it was less than that. That's the Jordan River. Now, it does get in places to about 100, 100 feet across. Well, this was right up by Jericho, right where they cross, real close to Jericho. And it was a little wider there. It was in the spring of the year. The Bible says harvest. Its normal width there was about 100 feet. And the depth was 3 to 10 feet in places. In the 1800s, a man went there in harvest time. This is interesting. He was, a, he was an expert swimmer. I'm reading from uh, Todd Bolin, who's a commentator. And he could not make it across the river during harvest time because the river was too wide and the current was too strong. Now, here's what they've determined. I'm going to read this to you. Another commentator said this, that there are two banks right there where they cross, and they have a place there. I showed Paula where they crossed last night. There's an inner bank and there's an outer bank. The inner bank is for the river in its natural state, where it always is. And then there's an outer bank during harvest time. That's when the, the river begins to overflow because the sun has melted all of the uh, snow on Mount Lebanon and Mount Hermon in March and April, and so it begins to create uh, rapids and so forth. And some people do that. And it was said to be a furlong, a furlong. I, I, I'm a curious person. I like to learn things. And I've, that's one of the measurements in, in England, in, in old England. And it, so it's in the Bible, a furlong. And I, I got to thinking, well, what is a furlong? Well, I, I, I'm going to give you the, the footage in a minute. But uh, I'll just tell you this it's for, for a nickel, I'll tell you. Uh, a furlong is a furrow. F-U-R-R-O-W. It's long as a furrow, but they shortened it to furlong. And it was as long as an ox could create a furrow. 
That's, that's all you could get out of an ox. That's a furlong. It's a furrow as long as an ox could go, so they shortened it to furlong. So, so the width of the river where they crossed was about 100 feet, about 33 yards in football terminology, okay? Just three first downs about, all right? A furlong is 220 yards, so about two and a half football fields, two and a quarter football fields. It's one-eighth of a mile. And here's why I'm telling you this, because this was, this was flood stage. So when you look at the, the liberals would say, well, they didn't have much to do. Well, it had been hard to get them over there anyhow in, in that kind of a capacity to get millions of people to cross the river. But at flood stage, it wasn't just an enormous amount of water, but it, it, it was rapids. 220 yards wide. Now, that's a river. That's a river. So question, how do you navigate your way when you don't know what to do? Or when it's difficult or you're confused? Well, God wants to do some things in your life, but you've got to prepare for them. It's not going to be given to you. And here's the big idea, and then I'm going to give you something to hang your hat on today. The best preparation for the future is a preparation of your heart with God. The best preparation for your future is a preparation of your heart with God. It it, it is something that you do, but it's something that you do to prepare your heart. So I'm going to give you some principles. I just want to give you one today, and, and I think this will help you. And I'm going to give you a challenge and ask you to do something that will help you. It'll, it'll transform your life if you will do this. So here's the first principle of preparing for an unknown future. And if, if you want, as he says there in verse 4, and to know the way by which you must go because you haven't passed this way before, you want God to do wonders among you. You've got to do what the Bible says. Number one, you need to get a word from God. You need to get your direction from God. Get a word from God. Now, this doesn't just come automatic. Sometimes people say, well, I got a word from God. And it contradicts the Bible. Anything that contradicts the Bible did not come from God. God has prescribed specific means to get his direction. And the text gives us two of those. I just want to give you one because it's so important. And uh, this is a challenge I want to give to you. And here it is. You get a word from God through a daily time alone with God. If you want to get a word from the Lord, it comes through a daily time alone with the Lord. Now, when I say that, it's such a simple statement, and you won't understand that unless you understand the habit and the heart of Joshua. There were four times in the book of Joshua that the same statement was made, and it's given to us in Joshua chapter 3. Notice in verse 1. And Joshua rose early in the morning. And Joshua rose early in the morning. He rose early in the morning. It was given to us before they went into Canaan. It was given in Joshua chapter 6 before they conquered Jericho. It was given in Joshua 7 after they failed at Ai and 36,000 men were killed. And then it was given in Joshua 8 
Actually, Joshua 7, when he was trying to, uh, when they had the debacle and he was trying to clean up Ai, he got up early. And then in Joshua 8, when they were going back to conquer Ai. But you know what's interesting? When it's not mentioned, he, he didn't get up early in the morning before they went to Ai. He didn't inquire of God. Now you say, now preacher, now how do you know that's what he was doing? Because you're, you're putting a lot of implication when it says Joshua rose early in the morning. How do you know he just wasn't an early riser? And I'm going to show you that in just a moment. Listen, all of us are busy. Some of you are busier than others. In fact, when I was preparing this, I was praying for moms that had little children, especially because some of the things I'm going to say may grate at you. And you say, I, you know, it's easy for him to say, no, I'm, I'm mindful. Uh, we raised seven and... Paula uh, was busy. She was very frustrated. I tried to help her at times as best I could. So I have compassion for you. But nobody was, was busier than Joshua with millions and millions. Some said three and a half million Jews there, Israelites. And he, he was in charge. He was a very busy man. And when Joshua got up early in the morning, he was meeting with God. Let me show you how I know that. Uh, If you want to flip back, I think it's on the screen for you, but flip back. Look at Joshua chapter 1 and look at verse 8. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. Joshua 1, 8. Here's what the Bible says. This book of the law, speaking of the Word of God, because that's all they had then, was the uh, first five books. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. And here's what God was telling Joshua. He said, Joshua, when you make commandments, when you rule, when you speak, don't don't speak without the Word of God. I, I want the Word of God to color everything that you say. Now, you may not speak the Scriptures, but the, the Scriptures will inform everything that you say. That's what he's saying. And thou shalt meditate therein, that is, in God's Word. Now, look at this. Day and night. Day and night. Now, I like bookends myself. You don't have to do this. Um, he's not saying you have to spend time in the morning with the Lord in the morning and night. I try to do this just because I enjoy it. Some of you do it at night. You don't do that, and, and, and that's okay. I've heard people say, well, other people did it in the morning. They point out Bible figures and historical figures. I think I've told you this before. I always go back to Genesis. The book of Genesis says, In the evening and the morning were the first day. In the evening and the morning were the first day. Thou shalt meditate therein in the Bible day and night, that in order that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written in them. Now, let's therein, let's pick apart some things. The word meditate there means to murmur. It doesn't mean nothingness, but it's your murmuring scripture. To ponder, to speak or talk to yourself. You don't just read it, but you inhale it. And then you talk to yourself about it. And then you observe it. The the word observe means to guard. It means to, to, to guard as a watchman, to mark something, to be attentive to it, to be carefully attended to something. What am I observing? I'm observing to do it. Not to know it. You know, some of the meanest people I know are people that know the Bible. 
Because they, they learned the Bible to debate it. I don't like to be around them. You know, when, when you learn the Bible to do it, it makes you humble because you realize, one, how difficult it is without the Lord's help. It'll make you humble. Meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Now look at then. If you do that, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. When you meditate upon the Scripture with a view to obedience, the Bible says you will be prosperous. The word prosperous there means profitable. And and it has this idea. It means to break out suddenly in a significant way. It means just all of a sudden things begin to happen unexplainably. The Bible there says... God will make your way prosperous, and then, thou, and then again, then, and then thou shalt have good success. The word success is used in the Bible one time, and it's here in Joshua 1.8. And it's used in terms of meditation with a view to obedience. Good success. The word success there has the idea of becoming an expert. But not an expert in knowledge, but an expert of, of being skillful, especially at wisdom. But you're skillful. God has blessed you because you've taken time to meditate, to murmur, to talk to yourself about the Scriptures, to inhale them, not just to read them. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, because he's going to need this. Joshua is, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Now look what it says. Then, the third then, Joshua commanded the officers of the people. He, watch this, he did not give orders until he got his orders from God. He meditated with a view to obedience. God began to prosper him. He became skillful in wisdom and other areas. And then he was able, with his wisdom, to pass that on to other people. So he didn't just come out and start giving orders. He gave his mornings to God. And so this is in Joshua 1. The same pattern is in chapter 3. Joshua met with God. He got up early in the morning. He got his directions in word and prayer. I believe he meditated as he did here in Joshua 1.8. He got his direction as a leader, and then he went to the other leaders, to the officers. That was his management method. And then he told them what God had told him. And that's, that's the method that God has chosen. Jerry Bridges, a great writer, he went to heaven, I think, two years ago. Here's what he said about meditation. Listen to this. He said the word meditate, as used in the Old Testament, literally means to murmur or to mutter. And that doesn't mean just nothingness. It has the idea of just low in a low, you're talking to yourself, nobody else. And by implication, to talk to oneself. When we meditate on the Scriptures, I like this. We talk to ourselves about them. Turning over in our minds. There it is. Turning over in our minds. The implications and the applications to our lives. Someone said the most important conversation you have is the one you have with yourself. I think that's true, but I'll extend it further. The most important conversation you have is, your, is the one you have with yourself about the Scriptures. That's the most important conversation you have. Now listen, 
Meditation is not emptying your mind. That's Eastern meditation. Meditation is filling your mind with the Word of God. Um, If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. It means you're preoccupied. You're anxious. You owe money. You don't know what's going to happen with something. You're preoccupied. Well, why not be preoccupied with God, preoccupied with His, with His words? So Joshua met with the Lord, and two things happened. Number one, they changed locations. Verse 1, they were moved from Shedem. They came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed. So that was part of the direction. And then... He, he got, gave the orders to his officers. Verse 2, it came to pass after three days that officers went through the host. Where did they get that information? They got it from Joshua. Where did he get the information? He got it from God. That's what he was doing in the morning, early in the morning. He was spending time with God. I was going to say you want a better 2023. Let me put it this way, biblically. You want a profitable 2023, you want to have good success, you want to have a a skilled 2023, you need to set aside time every day when you're in the Word and the Word is in you. Because some of you are in the Word, some of you are not. You need to read a portion of the Word of God every day. I like what Tom Malone said. Somebody said, how much of the Bible do you read? He said, I read it till my heart burns. Read it until you find something meaningful. And some of you are not doing that. You need to be in the Word, but some of you are in the Word, but the Word is not in you. You read the Bible almost like a checklist. Well, and and it's better than nothing. But that's not meditation. That's not talking to yourself about what's in the Bible. Now, this is so important. The Word of God is so important that he knew they were going to have a king one day. And God told the king he wanted him to do three things. You know what one of them was? In Deuteronomy chapter 17, notice in verse 18, I think this is given for you up here. And it shall be when the king sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book. So he goes to the priest, he gets a copy of the law in the book out of that which is before the priest of the Levites, and it shall be with him, it shall be with the king. And he shall read therein of that book all the days of his life. Why? That he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them, that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, and that he turn not aside from the commandment to his right hand or to the left, to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. Now listen, leaders, parents, if, if you have any authority, it's crucial for you to be in the Word of God. It's crucial. And that the Word of God is in you. Now, um, we used a discipleship program here years ago. And uh, in that program, what we did is uh, we gave assignments where you wrote the Word of God the Gospel of John, the Gospel of Mark, and and you would just chapter by chapter write the Word of God. And it was great, great benefit. I did it as well. The people that, whoever I was discipling, I I did what I asked them to do. I always do that. And so one day, many, many years ago, I haven't read this verse in a long time. I was preaching and used this verse in Deuteronomy 17 about the king. 
I never knew this. I never knew this until my mom told me. And she got motivated and she began to write the Word of God. And after she passed away, we, we found notebook after notebook after notebook where it was just filled with the Word of God. She would take books of the Bible and she would write them out in her hand. Now, this is not so, nobody knew this. At one time, she told me a couple of times, she said, you know, I, I'm doing that. And I thought, wow, that's really something, Mom. But then when I saw it, and I saw the breadth of it, she wasn't doing it so she could tell everybody this was for her spiritual benefit. I'm not even telling you to do it. I'm really not. But I am telling you, you need to get in the Bible. You need to be serious about it. And I will tell you this, that when you write it, it creates a focus. Your heart, listen, is a repository of the things that you treasure. Whatever you love is in, you, is in your heart. And spiritually speaking, you are what is in your heart. You are your heart. Your heart is your mind. It's your affections. It's your will. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 35, the Bible says, A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart... Now pay attention to this. Out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Now it doesn't just mean that he treasures them. It's it's used as a noun. That the heart is like a treasure. Now the word treasure there in the original language, if I were to put it up for you, you would say, well I know that. It's transliterated in English. It's the word thesaurus. Now, those of you that write or in English class, you remember, you know what thesaurus is, don't you? It's, it's a list of synonyms and anonyms and, and of words. A thesaurus is literally a treasury of words. Now, a treasury, a financial treasury, is where you make deposits that over time makes you wealthy. Now, if your heart, your mind, your soul is a treasury, And the ideas and the thoughts that you place in your heart determines who you are, the quality of your life, and reflects the path that you have taken. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. What are you meditating on? Some of you are in the Word, but the Word is not in you. Then, this leads to this verse, Psalm 119.11, you know this, Thy word have I hid... In mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. What does it mean to hide the word in your heart? I was talking to a friend of mine this past week about this. Well, first of all, it talks about valuing the word because you value something and you want to you want to hide it. It means something to you. The word hid there means to cover, literally by dirt. It means to hoard something and to have a reserve. It's a picture of having a treasure and going in your backyard because they didn't have safes and things. And they would dig a hole and they would put their treasured things that mean a lot to them. And then they would hide it and they would create a reserve there because of its value. Your heart is your treasure, your mind your affections. This means that you read the Bible, you learn the Bible, you memorize the Bible. Now, you can't meditate what you don't read, and you can't memorize what you don't read, and you can't meditate what you don't memorize. Jim Elliff said this, pastor, I think he's in Arkansas. Here's what he said. 
He said, by meditating on Scripture, you are transformed into the person God intends you to be. I want to highlight some things. Meditation is absorption. Absorption, like a sponge of His words into your mind by prayerful contemplation and concentration. Do you contemplate on the Word? Do you concentrate on the Word? You know, sometimes people say, your memory is good. They'll say to me, your memory is good. Well, I can't, I'm, it's not. It's good in certain areas. You can ask Paul of that. It's, it's not. I don't have like this, this memory where I remember. I don't have a photographic memory. I don't. But your memory could be good too. Someone said, we remember the things that we feel about. Whenever you have a feeling about something, you remember that. And when you're in the Word of God, if it impacts you and it absorbs into you and you contemplate it and you concentrate on the Word of God, it makes an impact on you. And you remember, you just begin to remember. Even as you read it, sometimes I memorize more verses just reading over and over and over again. Sometimes not even trying to memorize the familiarity of, of the Scripture, being familiar with it. I love this one. Charles Spurgeon said this. Watch this. Some people like to read so many chapters every day. I would not dissuade them from the practice, but I would rather lay my soul a soak. This is so good. I would rather lay my soul a soak in half a dozen verses all day than rinse my hand in several chapters. Oh, to be bathed in a text of Scripture and to let it be sucked up into your very soul. Till it saturates your heart. Set your heart upon God's Word. Let your whole nature, and I like this, be plunged into it as a cloth into a dye. It's like you, you're dyeing a t-shirt or something. It marks you. Let it mark you. Don't just be familiar with it. But love it and, and cherish it. Meditation is associated with, with blessing and prosperity. Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3, His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law doth He meditate day and night. There it is again. This is David. And he shall be like a tree. Here's the picture, the metaphor. Like a tree planted by the rivers of waters. It's there by the resources, by the nourishment, by the nutrients. The tree roots are right there by the, by the waters. Getting fed. And then it brings forth fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither. And look at this. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. It's the same word in, in Joshua 1.8. Shall prosper. It will suddenly break out. Now that's not always financial success. It could be. God wants that for you. But God will prosper you. God will care for you. The Bible says his delight... Because you value the Word of God. There's growth, there's maturity. You, you begin to, to, to get the nutrients, the nourishment of the Word. Have you been nourished? Listen, if you just come to church and this is all you get, you're limited. You're not going to be a strong Christian. And if you're in the Word, you're going to be better off. But if the Word is not in you, you're still going to be weaker. You need the Word in you. I want you to notice, he said, and he shall be like a tree, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That the being is before the doing. 
we're, you know, Americans like to do. What am I supposed to do? Even preaching. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. Well, God wants you to be something. Did you know you can do right and not be right? But if you'll be right, you'll always do right. And he shall be, he shall be, he shall be like a tree. And whatsoever he doeth. And being in the word and the word in you helps you to be right. David said in Psalm 119 and verse 97, Oh, how love I thy law. Notice his affection for the Bible. It is my meditation all the day. Now, he was the king. Joshua was the general. He was busy. That didn't mean he wasn't doing other things, but he, he was talking to himself when he had breaks, when he was thinking. Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies. King has enemies. For they are ever with me. That is the scriptures as I meditate upon them. I have more understanding than all my teachers. Thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep. There's the obedience part. See, meditation, obedience, prosperity. Are you paying the price for this? Because there is a price for it. You get to choose, you get to choose on the menu what kind of Christian you want to be, but you don't get to choose the results. You make your choice, and then your choice makes a decision for you. Philip Henry made a really good quote. Listen to this. It is easier to go six miles to hear a sermon than to spend one quarter of an hour in meditating upon it when I come home. That's a great quote. It's easier to go six miles to hear a sermon than to spend one quarter of an hour meditating upon it when I come home. It's easier to just sit there and listen to somebody preach. And it's easier to read your Bible. You know, we, you read and you reflect. Read and reflect. Keep a notebook. Start writing some stuff down. It, it need not be a journal. Just write down some stuff that you've learned. I want you to notice the Lord Jesus, the priority he had in closing. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, Jesus went out and departed, and I want to highlight something here, into a solitary place, and there prayed. And I want you to see the value of isolation that he had. And here's where I feel bad for moms, but but you got to make it work somehow. I, I, I don't say that in a harsh way. But he went out and departed into a solitary place. And he prayed. Mark four, Matthew fourteen twenty three. The Lord Jesus again, when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart, apart by himself to pray. When the evening was come, he was there alone. You see this emphasis? Now, who were the multitudes? These were the people he was ministering to. Listen, if you're not getting fed, you can't take care of other people. Mark six forty six, and when he had sent them away, who the crowds? Oh, he, he did a lot of ministry, but he had to he had to fuel his soul with his father. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. Luke four forty two, and when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place, an isolated place, and the people sought him, came unto him, they stayed him that he should not depart from them. He, he loved those isolated places. He met with his father. 
Luke chapter 5 and verse 16, And Jesus withdrew Himself into the wilderness. It means the desert, isolation. And He prayed. He withdrew. It was an intentional act. You're kind of selfish, Pastor. You like to be by yourself. Well, you don't, you don't preach sermons if you're not by yourself. You can't walk with God if you're not by yourself. And Dad, you need, you need some time to be in the Word. You need some time for the Word to get in you so you can be a good father. Be a good leader. Get up early in the morning. If, if that doesn't work, find a time, find a place to do it. Luke six twelve, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus went out into a mountain to pray. He loved the mountains. And continued all night, because everybody else was asleep, in prayer to God. John six fifteen. when Jesus perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed into a mountain himself alone. There he goes again, over and over and over and over and over again. Well, I just can't do it. Well, you're going to have to do what Jesus did and what, what Joshua did. By the way, Moses did this. David did this. It really deserves its own point here, and I don't have time to pursue it. Remember when uh, they made the deal with Judas to betray Jesus? How did Judas know where Jesus would be? Luke twenty two thirty nine, And Jesus came out and went as he was wont. W-O-N-T. It's an old English word. It means his custom. It was his manner. As was his custom to the Mount of Olives. Oh, I know where he'll be. This is his custom. That's where he went to pray. So many places I could take you there. The Bible says in Colossians 3 and verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Does the word dwell in you? The word dwell means to be at home. Is, are you, is the word at home in you? The word richly there means abundant and in large quantities. Is it there? Just take some time. I, 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 I think I brought some with me. Uh, used to we we put we're going to start this up again. I, I put them in the bulletin card memory cards. Uh, I put on the back. I put the reference and I put the verse. I put the reference and I put the verse, and I keep these by my nightstand and I rotate them. And I go through and I work at memorizing the verses. And through the years, I've memorized different chapters and, and different things to help me. Not so I could tell people what I'm doing. Because I want the Word of Christ to dwell in me richly. Thomas Brooks said this, Remember that it is not hasty reading, but serious meditation on holy and heavenly truths that makes them prove sweet and profitable to the soul. Watch this. It is not the mere touching of the flower by the bee that gathers honey, but her abiding for a time on the flower that draws out the sweet. It is not he that reads the most, but he that meditates the most that will prove to be the choicest, sweetest, wisest, and strongest Christian. Paul told Timothy, his protege, 1 Timothy 4.15, he said, Timothy, meditate upon these things. This is advice for a preacher. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting... Not study, meditation. There's a difference. That thy profiting 
The word profiting means to progress. It means a pioneer advance where you've never been before. That kind of growth. It's the opposite. Are you stale? You're not meditating. May appear to all. The word appeal, uh, appear there means to manifest clearly. It means to shine as the sun. In other words, what has been brewing inwardly begins to blossom externally. Take heed, Timothy, unto yourself. Take heed, Mama, unto yourself. Take heed, Dad, unto yourself. Teenager, college student, take heed unto yourself and unto the doctrine, unto the Bible. Continue in them. That's meditation. In doing this, thou shalt save thyself and them that hear thee. Your time alone with the Lord is the most important spiritual discipline you have. And if you want to have direction for for 2023, the first thing, the first thing, the first thing you're going to have to do is get a word from God. And it's not going to come magically. You're going to have to meet with Him in a very dedicated, sincere way. The best preparation for the future is the preparation of your heart. Are you preparing your heart like Joshua, like David, like Moses? Is, is it a priority? Are you not in the Word? I, I, I beseech you, I plead with you, I beg you to take some time every day and, and, and spend just a portion of the Word of God. Get that Bible reading plan back there. Do something. And spend time with the Lord, and then spend time in the Word, and then get the Word, and you get a verse, get a line. Sometimes I won't get a whole verse, I'll just get a line that has helped me, and I'll ponder it. And I challenge you to do that this year. Try it this week. Say, preacher, that's going to take some time. What, do you want to prosper? Do you want good success? This is from, this is from the author. He created you. He knows how you're designed. He can bless you. We need Him. And you need His direction. As we said at the outset of this year, I cannot think, I cannot think of a better message I could give you on January the 1st is for you to be in the Word and the Word to be in you. I hope that you will. I hope that you will. I plead that you would. I plead that you would. Would you pray with me this morning? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. While we're in attitude of prayer, I want to ask a question. I want you to be honest with me. How many would say, Pastor Rick, I am not consistently in the Word of God. I, I'm hit and miss, or I'm just not in the Word of God very much. I don't read the Bible consistently. But God being my helper, I want to do that this year. And I'm not going to promise.